Hi, I'm Malcolm Hawker, and this is the CDO Matters Podcast, the show where I dig deep into the strategic insights, best practices, and practical recommendations that modern data leaders need to help their organizations become truly data-driven. Tune in for thought-provoking discussions with data, IT, and business leaders to learn about the CDO matters that are top of mind for today's chief data officers. In today's episode, I interview John Moran. John is the Director of Enterprise Data Governance with Thermo Fisher Scientific, a $40 billion publicly traded manufacturing and services company providing innovative products and solutions to research scientists around the globe. In his role, John is responsible for establishing and maintaining enterprise-wide data policies, standards, and processes across domains, supporting customers and products in some of the most complex and regulated industries on the globe. Really, the story of today's episode is one where a data governance leader has turned the tides on governance as something simply being for compliance or regulatory requirements. John and his team have done a fantastic job of utilizing governance as an enabler of business outcomes. Through a focus on listening to customer needs and speaking the language of the business, focusing really on data that matters and not getting too bogged down in the minutia of every nugget of data within the organization. And trust me, in a company like Thermo Fisher, there's a lot of data. With another focus on business process analysis and, and, and really nailing down responsibility and accountability, but really having a, a, an exceptional focus on people in data roles, knowing how data impacts the business, including end customers who are buying the products. So I really like to think of John as being a leader in this space who was focused on data as a product or governance as a product really before we started talking about it uh, a lot earlier this year. So without further ado and without me spoiling uh, everything and, and giving away all the secrets of today's episode, let's cut to the chase and have a discussion with John Moran, Director of Data Governance with Thermo Fisher Scientific. Good morning, everybody. It's Malcolm Hawker with another episode of CDO Matters. I'm thrilled today on our podcast to have John Moran with Thermo Fisher Scientific. John's the Director of Data Governance. Uh, I first met John about a month and a half ago at a, uh, at a conference in San Diego where he was presenting and he was presenting his success stories in the data governance space. And I'm thinking, hey, success in data governance, this is something that our audience needs to hear more about. I think in general, we need to be more overt at celebrating our successes, particularly when it comes to a challenging space uh, such as, as governance. Um, not only was John successful in sharing that, which is great, um, one of the things that struck me, and we'll talk about a little bit more today in the podcast, was that John was able to succeed in an environment that on the surface seems rather daunting. So, so, so as we'll discuss, there are multiple versions of ERP platforms. I, I think the, the last number that John gave me is, is over 100, which, which is rather daunting. Uh, there are multiple versions of other platforms, uh, yet somehow uh, John was able to, to move the needle. So without further ado, John, thank you for joining us. If, we, if you could share maybe two or three or four things, what, what do you think is the key to success uh, with your approach to governance at, at Thermo Fisher and what would you recommend others to be considering in their journey? Yeah, th thanks for having me. This is a pleasure to be here. It's an honor to talk with you about this. 
Um, and I just want to write at the outset, there's a team of, of folks that are, are driving data governance. So, um, and I'm, I'm, you know, just a, just a member of that team. What I would say in terms of, of driving success, I, what I have learned is data governance can mean many things to, to folks. And um, sometimes they don't conjure up the best uh, images. And so you, you sort of have to get past that barrier. So when people hear data governance, they might have a little bit of an allergic reaction because they're not really sure Governance sounds like government. Government could be bureaucratic. And then it's they're kind of on the defensive. They got some inhibition. So I would say the first thing is try to figure out where they are and, and meet them where they're at. So understand, get past the terminology uh, and try to develop some common understanding of what data uh, are they working with and where are their challenges. And I would just say to try to get people uh, sort of working with you, you just spend more time listening than anything else. So you can really understand what a day in the life looks like for them, uh, where, and then probe them with questions, direct them to figure out where are their data blockers that are preventing them from doing their job right the first time, that are, uh, you know, frustration points, and then sort of, you know, just come back to that. And then you connect the dots with how governance uh, and, and the good practices can actually help them get to where they want to be. And so I would say that's that's really where I would start. Fantastic. Uh, interesting aside, I, I noticed that you're, you've got a strong history of product management in, in your background. Do, do you think that that perspective and that background, that, that kind of that product management background ha, has helped or you know, is, is something that enabled you to take that kind of that, that very listening centric approach? Uh, I, I definitely so spent the last decade working with the data around product and uh, in, in, in a global sort of on a global stage. And so I think what's what has helped me in that space is that it takes a village to launch a product and support the product offerings, especially when you're talking about global offerings. And so what um, what has been very helpful is just understanding the unique challenges of each of those stakeholders, I think. In the past, we counted it up. There was over 50 to 60 people that touched a product that was being launched, uh, you know, every month. And so we would do thousands of products every month. So I think that the product uh, experience has helped me not only to understand the different needs of the different stakeholders, but also the customer and how the customers impacted. So one of the things that we tried to do mm -hmm. was to uh, re remind folks uh, in the different functions of how their data is being used, why it's important, and the risk of that data not being right, and the impact that that has on a customer. At the end of the day, some of this data will prevent the product from shipping to the right customer, or will prevent the product from being released out of our systems because the data isn't matching. So there's a data problem. Now the customer doesn't get their data. And so um, I think connecting the dots and the meaning behind the data, so it's more than just entering attributes in a field, uh, and being sensitive to that across a wide variety of functions really helped me sort of sell the value or communicate the value of why data governance is so important. So, so interesting. In terms of that listening uh, and in terms of getting that feedback and in terms of understanding what those customer impacts, and, and by customer, I, I, I assume you mean like end user, people who are using yeah. your product, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, let, let's get it as a kind of brass tacks here. How, how did that actually happen? Did you set up like workshops or do you have like a, it, it, with, within your team, do you have like, 
like business analysts or other like product type managers that were, would go out and sit? What, did, what, what form did that actually take? Yeah, great question. So I would say the best way to think about the team that I led for the last decade was they're more process stewards. So they don't own the data, but they own the process. Mm. And so we kind of became a lightning rod for any sort of feedback. I'd say good and bad, but um, you know maybe we got more bad feedback. But where product managers or wherever the leadership would come to us and say, we're not launching fast enough, or there are too many problems. So we were a collection point for things that we owned and things we didn't own. Fortunately, because of the way where we sat in the organization and because of the wide network that we had fostered over the years, we could connect the dots. So even if we didn't own something, we could reach out to to groups. So uh, usually we would rely on our Lean Six Sigma methodology. We call it practical process improvement. Uh, and, and that was a great way to bring groups together uh, identify a tangible problem statement, a tangible reachable goal statement and bring people together. And when you, you know you're focusing on the right thing, when you've got people who are willing to come to the meetings and actually follow up on the action items. So I would say mostly we would fall back on, I would say fall back, we would leverage our Lean Six Sigma methodology. Uh, and, and we did it in fits and starts over the years, but always trying to build towards that vision of uh, you know, better, faster, cheaper, try to get more products out and get more people aligned. A lot of our problems, honestly, were people just didn't know their roles. And so we spent a lot of time just articulating who is the who's accountable for this data, who's responsible for this data, and making sure we had good metrics to ensure that we had good data quality throughout. Great stuff. So in a company as big as yours, with as challenging, you know, as kind of as daunting as some of the challenges are, I know you guys are working on an ERP consolidation. If you kind of look at that big picture, there's a lot there. <laughs> so I, I, I'd be interested in understanding kind of how the prioritization worked, right? So yes, you've got process analysts. That, that's wonderful, right? To understand how the data is being used, where it goes, lineage, all that stuff. Yes, you've got a mandate to consolidate and streamline some of your, your ERPs. That's fantastic as well. But wh where did you, from a priority perspective, how did you figure out where to, where to focus? Because I, I assume that your team isn't big enough to focus on everything at once. In, in the past, what we'd look at is, is what, what did our customer want? Uh, what we found out, for example, is that our customer was getting bombarded with launches almost every day from our company. It's a big company, a lot of acquisitions. So we were, different parts of the company would launch on a different calendar. So that was one of the things we looked at is what, is our, what do our customers really want? What do our salespeople want? And what can they support? So that was one of the priorities. Another priority had to do with uh, regulations. So uh, making sure that we're collecting the data that helped us comply with the REACH, Rojas, uh, Sarbanes-Oxley, FDA regulations, making sure that our uh, processes and, uh, and our change control and our products are all in compliance. So I'd say those are the two priorities. Uh, definitely got to make sure that we're, we're compliant, but then we look at what do our customers want. And then I would say the next priority is how can we drive productivity internally and make sure we're doing things right the first time and reduce reworks. So I'd say those are kind of how we think about our priorities. Uh, I, I love it because there's a, there's a bit of an interesting twist there, meaning for a lot of companies, it's regulation first, particularly if you're banking insurance, and that, that's that's natural. But for so many data leaders, they're focusing on number three, which was the efficiency play, right? Which which is we're going to make things kind of bigger, faster, stronger. And there's nothing wrong with that. But 
I loved your first answer, which was, what does the customer want? And in your case, the customer is the end customer, right? Do they want more innovation in the product or do they want the product faster or on and on? And what I'm hearing you say is you partnered with your sales organization to understand that. Is that, is that accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. And kind of fast forward to where we are today with, we have all these ERPs. We'll, we'll never get to the point where we consolidate 100 ERPs into one system. So one of the things we're looking at is how do we unlock the value in the, of the data that sits in all these different silos? Um, and so we're looking at, you know, how can we do that in a way that that takes the best practices within our company? I mean, we really don't need to go outside our four walls of Thermo Fisher to find Let's look at where we're leveraging our data in a way. Um, how can we equip our salespeople with data that allow them to be successful on every sales call? Um, and then how are we unlocking our data to make sure we're getting product in the right place at the right time for our customer? Uh, and there's real opportunity. I'd say that's really where we're heading next with how can we unlock the value of our data at a corporate uh, wide basis, which of course requires us to be speaking the same language with our data, get right. good data standards, good policies, and and establish some commonality where before there you know just didn't exist. Let's let's drill down a little bit on on your process analysts, uh, if if we can. There's a big push within the data world, kind of writ large right now, to take more of a kind of a product management centric approach. This is why I asked you about your 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 product background and why I'm I'm thrilled that we're talking today. Where, where would those process analysts typically come from in your world? Are they coming from the, the, the business side? Meaning, do they know procurement? Do they know supply chain? Do they know sales? Where, where, where are those folks typically re recruited from? We, we bring them in and we grow them. And so okay. I would say that, you know, they, uh, some of the folks we bring in and we brought in over the years don't have any experience in this area. And that's fine. What I really wanted were people who are ready, willing, and able to learn and had demonstrated the ability to grasp, you know, uh, uh, complex uh, topics because with data, especially with our product data, we're collecting and managing hundreds of data attributes and there's logic all over the place. So, but what I would say is the, the folks who really uh, separated themselves and were really successful, um, they really understood the supply chain and what happened downstream and were able to explain that to other people. I think that's the real, um, really powerful. So I would say the supply chain folks, and really we try to encourage our team to understand all the different downstream, uh, whether it was logistics, pricing, marketing, um, and, and distribution. So, uh, but supply chain was a real key, I think, for our, for our uh, team members to understand that. I assume that that's one of the bigger drivers for the organization with, sitting underneath the ERP consolidation. Would, would you agree? Uh, yeah, in terms of supply, supply chain, chain, I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, I mean, this, every, you know, what's going on in the world right now with the with the challenges within our supply chain, but uh, really understanding, um, you know, how do we get the product to the customer when we promised it? Uh, really big focus, uh, and then of course, you get the supply chain right. You're balancing your inventory and your back orders. So, I would say that that is definitely a big focus. I'd love to understand the, the interconnection if there is one, or if there isn't one, maybe, <laughs> with uh, with your ERP consolidation efforts. So, so many companies that I talk to have their governance initiatives, for lack of a better word, hardwired in, in, into, into ERP efforts. And the, the governance dependencies are part of an ERP consolidation roadmap and set of deliverables, which, which mm -hmm. makes the governance initiative really kind of beholden to, to, to progress on the ERP side. I, I often see that 
not only from a funding perspective, but certainly from a roadmap perspective. H how intertwined are your efforts with those ERP efforts, if they are at all? I, I mean, my experience has been it's almost agnostic. I mean, there was an ERP that we were we were consolidating our acquisition uh, companies into, um, but it was more of a, of a mindset. And, I, I, you know, there was a time when that was sort of an afterthought, uh, but we got it down where it was sort of a rinse and repeat formula where we would follow the, you know, for example, you just go in and, and, and profile the data and you look at what does that acquired company, what are their definitions behind the different fields? Even if they're called the same thing, they could have different definitions. Look at your list value harmonization, um, but, but I would say that we did work across, you know, whether it was SAP or Oracle uh, and many other ERP systems, um, and some of them didn't really have that much of an ERP system. So it, I don't say it was so much tied to the techno, excuse me, the technology as it was just made really tied to the data and understanding mm. what is the critical data that's required for an order to successfully, you know, transact in the system and get to the customer. And so really focusing on that. And that, that's a key point, I think, because with so much data, if you treat everything with equal importance, you sort of lose your way a little bit and just really understanding what are the critical few attributes. In our case, critical few might be a hundred, but it's not a thousand. So right. I would say it's it's ERP agnostic in that sense. So I I, I, I love it. <laughs> and and uh, you know, again, I've seen so many times when governance efforts are part of this three, five, eight year program. Uh, and often from a priority perspective, they end up taking a backseat. So taking that data centric approach, which I'm paraphrasing you now, taking the data, looking at the data, given the fact that you've got these process analysts that are identifying what data matters, I have to assume then that it's really more about the process and the, and, and the data that's supporting it, which is, which is fantastic. Yeah. T tell me a little bit about where the organization you know, sits, um, where your team sits within the broader organization. Yeah, so, so right now we, we, we are part of IT. The data governance organization is part of IT. Uh, we, we are, a, um, the data governance team is, is fairly small. We are enterprise focused. So we are looking to drive governance across broad, bigger initiatives. Um, and I mentioned earlier, one of the things that we're really focusing on now is now, you know, we have all these ERPs. I don't know what the number will end up getting to, but bringing this into a common place. And so in a sense, we're harmonizing the data and, and it's, it's about how do we, how do we get the most value out of that? So anyway, there's, there's pros and cons of a group sitting in IT versus the business. And, and, you know, we don't have a CDO uh, that sits, you know, kind of independent of those two. Um, but I think like anything else, whether you're in one group or the other, it comes down to the partnerships you're creating, uh, the collaboration and all those interpersonal things that make it work. So at the end of the day, we're solving problems. And uh, whether we're in IT or business, we still have to connect with the people who need us the most. So, Yep. Yep. I, I love it. So kind of, kind of looking back over your, over your most recent journey, if there were one or two things that you could turn back the clock and, and do differently, um, what would they be? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I think what I would do is go back to the value that's being created yep. and not assume. So not assume that what you're working on is the most important thing for the group you're supporting. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's what I would do differently because I think there were, there were some times when we were getting started that, um, and, I, and I'm speaking more around the governance and putting standards in place and, and the, the structure, um, where we, 
I'll just say this. Constantly checking in with your leaders of the functions you're supporting to make sure, is this driving value? And then I would say also, what is that value? What are the decisions we plan on making with governed data that we can't make today? And then connecting that and quantifying that. Because then you're not talking about data governance for data governance sake. You're talking about an enabling whatever that financial benefit is, whether it's, you know, whatever function you're talking about. So that also helps with, with the, the folks who don't think about this every day so they can see how important data governance is to enabling these financial benefits. So I, I think those are the couple of things that if I wound back the clock and as I go forward, those will be things that we definitely right. make sure we, we're, we're constantly you know, confirming and validating with our with our, you know, our, our partners to make sure that we truly are focused on the right things. Yep. Are those are those process managers that they also kind of responsible for understanding what the business impacts are? Are they, are they the ones that are kind of trying to figure out, all right, if we, you know, have a common definition for a supplier, this is what it could mean to the business. Is that is that are they doing that as well? Or are you reliant more on the folks in the business side to do that? Or maybe both? Yeah, I would say more in the business for that. However, you know, the, the folks who are touching the data and collecting it, and, and they do need to connect the dots. So they do need to, you know, that gets back to changing behaviors. So if you can't yeah. create a compelling message about why should I care about this attribute or this set of data, um, you need to be able to speak the language that our executives speak, that things, you know, making money, saving money, reducing risk. If you can't connect it to one of those three things, it's it's going to be hard to change behavior. So I you know, that is one thing we try to get to the why and not just the what. And, and because if you don't have that why context, A, you're more prone to make mistakes and you don't really understand it. And B, like I said, you're not really going to be able to influence others to, to change, you know, and improve if you don't understand that piece. So they do they do need to know that. But I would say also, you know, the executives and the product managers and other folks, uh, they're the ones who, uh, who, who who drive a lot of that as well. It sounds almost to me like a big part of your focus has been not so much data literacy, but business literacy, right? Would you agree? I think that's true uh, because you do need to know the different, yeah, so you need to know the different functions and who relies on which function and, and kind of the sequence uh, where the data originates, where it gets consumed to really understand how all the pieces fit. Now, data is the language we're speaking, and, and it, it, you know, that's, that's obvi obviously, you can't get around that, but um, understanding, you know, how each one of these functions creates values and, and how they win, uh, and, and then translate that into, okay, so what does that mean for the data and, and what kind of problems can occur if, if the data is wrong? So I, I do think business first, almost data second. Yep. So you had mentioned that you currently do not have a, a CDO. Where do you see that uh, in the future? Do you see that potentially changing? It seems like your senior management is is well aware uh, of the value of, of data. So, so do you see any potential changes there down the road? Perhaps. Um, <laughs> perhaps. I would like to see that. But I will say that the, the organization is... I'm seeing things. I've been here, you know, 16 years. I've, I'm seeing things that I haven't seen um, in the past, which is super encouraging. You know, the use of uh, of AI, uh, our data science organization doing really great things, and um, understanding at the leadership level, you know, how important data is. I think I think we always knew it, but now I'm starting to see initiatives that are focused around that, which is 
very encouraging. And I just think there's so many opportunities um, where we've got uh, a lot of you know room for improvement. So whether we get, actually get to the point where we have a CDO, I'd like to think we will. But uh, you know, that, that, those are things that uh, you know hopefully will evolve over time, and, and we'll do the right thing. Got it. Well, for a lot of the people that I talk to uh, who have your roles, they just throw the CDO, CDO hat on <laughs> and, and and kind of and assume a CDO at least in role because it certainly seems like uh, you're playing an important function there at Thermo Fisher. So I think that's a great way uh, to end on an optimistic note, right? Uh, optimism in solving your problems, optimism around uh, governance as a business enabler. That's so refreshing to hear. Often we hear about governance as, as something that is a checkbox and uh, is a must do, not a should do. Uh, so I can't thank you enough for your time today, John. It's been wonderful. Really enjoyed our chat and uh, look forward to speaking with you again sometime soon. Thank you to our CDO Matters podcast listeners and look forward to our next episode sometime soon. Bye. Thank you.